Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw, nice. caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown! Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Yes, that's right. We're back after a short break and uh, it's hot, ladies and gentlemen. In London town, it swelters. And on the other end of the line is a man who told me before coming on air uh, that he had his top off sitting on his bed. <laughs> completely sweating so there's an image for you straight away it is of course the sweaty to my pits the sweaty to my balls and the sweaty to my betty it's nathan palmer everyone well you're not wrong son i'm sweating my bollocks off over here in london so um yeah it's a it's i mean my flat is on the top floor and it's like got a couple of massive windows that almost act as like a greenhouse effect so I reckon whatever it is outside, it's probably an extra three or four degrees in my flat. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing too well. I've been just moving around minimally today, like up and down the stairs or um, out to the back garden. It basically causes me just to sweat like anything. Again, a beautiful image, I know. And our American listeners must be finding this hilarious because. Uh, I think it's about 91, 92 degrees Fahrenheit today, which is kind of usual for people in Cincinnati and and Ohio and northern Kentucky around this sort of time. Uh, But us Brits, just, I don't know. uh, We don't have aircon, though, do we? They all have aircon out in their posh gaffs in the States. I know, we do not. I was going to say air conditioning is an app. I, I don't know anyone, literally anyone, with air conditioning in their houses. In their cars, yes, but not everyone has aircon in their cars. I don't. Uh, I just have to roll down the window and hope for a well, nice is your breeze. Po- is, your, is your Porsche not got aircon, Sam? Uh, no, I chose against it. <laughs> <laughs> I went for speed over features, uh, Nathan. Um, Fair enough. But, yeah, it's a hot one, and it has been a hot one. Uh, well, hot for most of the week. I was in Wales last week, and it was lovely and early 20s and slightly drizzly and i come back to london and it is one big urban greenhouse as you say it's uh yeah it's a hot one but anyway wish you how was your welsh adventure my son did you uh well well have any exciting experiences that are um (laughs) above the belt that we can share on this podcast well nathan i went to wales last week and i was i went to search for jordan evans but uh (laughs) I asked a man about Jordan Evans, but he said his name was Daffid and his wife was Mefanwi. <laughs> so I couldn't, fi- I couldn't find Jordan Evans. Uh, no, um, anyway, yeah, that's basically what I was doing all week. I was doing a Welsh accent, determined to nail a Welsh accent. And I think I've still got some way to, to go, to be honest with that's you. But pretty good effort, that, Simon. That's pretty, it's better than my impression on um, like the last episode. So hats off to you. Yeah, it was funny. The, you had to sort of remember not to do it to Welsh people because they'd probably kill you. Um, <laughs> no, uh, what do we do? There's nothing much of it. We camped in a really lovely um, uh, place just near Oxwich Bay, overlooking the bay. And the beaches on the Gower Peninsula, on the Gower, were, are just absolutely fantastic. They're so large, you know, and they stretch, go on for miles and miles. Uh, but unfortunately, we got pretty. We got about a day and a half good weather and then a, d- a couple of days of pretty poor weather. But, you know, we did pretty well. We went out, lots of coastal walks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, ate too much fish and chips. And uh, apparently Wales rissoles are a big thing. Have you heard of, ever heard of rissoles? I have not heard of rissoles. Enlighten me, my son. Well, they're like a patty, really, like a meat patty stuffed with lots of, I think, bits of potato and all sorts of stuff. Um, but I hadn't heard the name rissole or the word rissole for, goodness me, it felt like a real 70s or 80s food, do you know what I mean, that had disappeared. But in yeah, Wales... Yeah. They're all over them. They they love a rissole. They love a rissole in Wales. They do. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was lovely. It was a lovely change of scenery 
Uh, and How much exactly... was it for a pint in Wales? Uh, do you know what? I don't think I had a pint in Wales. Um, I really? bought a, yeah, I just bought a bottle of rum with me to the campsite to help keep me warm. Um, yeah, that's fair, fair shout. But uh, yeah, it was just a really nice change of scenery, uh, and now back to London and uh, the thing that we love, which is the Bengals. Episode ninety five as well, son. You know what I mean? Like you know, cracking along, aren't we? Yeah, we we stop for no man, woman, or pandemic, and uh, we carry on uh, edging towards our one uh, hundredth episode, which is a bit exciting. Plans, uh, uh, fires, are, irons are in the fire, shall we say, for that. So we'll see what happens. Um, we're also going to enter. We've got no guests today this week. Uh, I didn't have really time to sort something out. So we're going to trial something. Um, we're going to trial our new game show segment called First and Ten, and Nathan is going to be the guinea pig. So if anyone wants to come on, which, I mean, we'll be doing this intermittently throughout the season, you would imagine. Um, and it's a general knowledge quiz based on a, a, an American football field. So if you want to be involved in the future and come on and try pit your wits against uh, First and Ten, then uh, do get in touch with us at whodate underscore UK. But in the meantime, uh, until Nathan uh, gets all the questions wrong, um, we will talk about the Bengals, because there's a bunch of stuff that's happened uh, since we last spoke. And uh, Where do you want to start, Nathan? Um, let's have a talk about old Josh Tupu opting out. I yeah. think that's probably a, an interesting topic to start with because I think we always, you know, I think most teams across the NFL have had a couple of players that have opted out. I know the Patriots have had more than many, but a real shame for a young up-and-coming player um, on the defensive line to opt out. I think Josh played well last year, you know, really showed some potential. I remember back in his play where he managed to get Lamar Jackson in the open field was one of the highlight plays of the season, actually. Um but yeah, real shame. I mean, completely respect his decision, um, but a shame for the team. I think going into this season, I agree. I like Josh Tupu, and you're right. He did flash last year, and I thought his re-signing was was a good bit of business for the team. Really solid backup to DJ Reader, and especially if they want to go heavy up front with Reader and Tupu, that's a pretty impressive sort of run stuffing duo there. But Josh decided to opt out, and we we don't blame him at all. Um, but Ryan Glasgow was also cut as well. He failed a physical. Uh, and I thought that was a real shame because, once again, whenever Glasgow's been on the field, which admittedly hasn't been often enough because of, sadly, because of injuries, again, no fault of his, um, he looked, the team looked better and he looked a really solid player. So suddenly, having a good looking rotation on the defensive line, especially in the middle there, uh, we've now lost two, I would say, pretty solid players. So that was obviously a a problem, really, and suddenly uh, an area of weakness. Uh, and it looks like the Bengals have addressed that by going out and signing uh, former Detroit Lion and Green Bay Packer and former Pro Bowler uh, Mike Daniels. So, you know... They've obviously recognised that was a bit of a weakness because of Tupu's opt-out and Glasgow's uh, cut. So how do you feel about Mike Adam, uh, Mike Daniels, I beg your pardon? Yeah, I mean, certainly a bigger and more exciting name than a lot of people out there. I know wanted Domitar Pecco um, to come back. And whilst that's the romantic option and Pecco had some fantastic years in Cincinnati, a brilliant character and leader on and off the field, I think from a sort of production standpoint, um, his best days are behind him. And I think Daniel certainly um, offers a higher upside um, than Pecco. So I'm glad the Bengals have gone out there and made a bit more of a splashy move in that area. I mean, a lot of us were very excited about the defence, um, going out there, getting DJ Reader, obviously Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, a real formidable front four. And I think with, like you said, Tupu and uh, Ryan Glasgow, not being available this season, all of a sudden that does present an area of need. So I think Daniel's a really good like sort of rotational piece. I read mixed reviews about him in his last season in Green Bay and um, his production in Detroit. You know, some of you read a bit online, bit of a mixed review, but I think overall he's 31 years old. He's still got, you know, he still should have a few years left in the tank. So 
I think overall for the Bengals is a smart move. And the other thing that I think it signifies that is interesting from an ownership standpoint is the natural move the Bengals would have made. Almost you could have almost telegraphed it would have been to go out there and pick up someone they were comfortable with, someone that was available, someone like a Domitar Peco. And I think for them to go out there and make the more expensive signing, I would imagine. Um, and the higher upside potential in someone like Daniels that's outside the organization's never been in Cincinnati before, I think is a really positive move. So, you know, I hope it works out and I think it will give um, some veteran leadership and talent to that D-line. Yes, absolutely. Of course, I think he ha- uh, Mike Daniels had, well, has ties with Al Golden, our new uh, linebackers coach, because he worked in Detroit. So there was a connection there, but there has been a few sort of jiggery, bit of jiggery pokery on, in terms of roster, and uh, they've waived uh, a German friend. It's Auf Wiedersehen to Moritz Boehringer, tight end, and uh, I believe undrafted free agent rookie Dev Wawali at uh, at running back, and then they also added a few other exciting additions. Wouldn't you agree, Nathan? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know where you who. <laughs> well, we should all go also go back and say that it, it wasn't just Josh Tupu who opted out. I mean, we if you look at the the Patriots, I mean, I mean, eight or nine players have opted out, and actually the Bengals have gotten away with it a little bit. Um, no starters. I mean, Tupu was a rotational piece on that defensive line, and also Isaiah Prince, the uh, uh, the second year player on the offensive line, opted out, but he's hardly a starter. So I do think we've gotten away with it uh, a little bit. Well, 100%. And I mean, the other thing I think you've got to think of is a lot of people out there were speculating on the fact that Geno Atkins um, could opt out. He's obviously got a young family on plays of that defensive line and I think has some sort of sickle cell trait as well, which I think potentially poses a slightly higher risk. So good news for fans that Geno's available to play this season and Obviously, massively fingers crossed that um, you know he's healthy and that he can um, contribute. Yeah, I agree. I did. I mean, it was a weird thing when you read that uh, Instagram post from Juno uh, saying that his wife was expecting a second child. You were like, "Oh, fantastic! That's great news." And you think, "Oh, hold on a minute, though." Uh, from a selfish fan point of view, what does that mean for sticking around for the twenty twenty season? I wouldn't be surprised, as you say, because he's got this kind of sickle cell trait um which i don't know whether it puts him more at risk than others i don't know he's obviously he must have consulted doctors and things like that um but you kind of yeah. think add add that a new baby on the way in in the win in december i believe uh you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if gino opted out of this season i don't think but yeah thankfully he didn't so we get to see Geno Atkins and DJ Reader, who, uh, who's been lavished with praise by Lou Anarumo uh, in press conferences recently, saying he's, you know, the, the, the club hit a home run when they signed DJ Reader because he's just been absolutely fantastic so far in Zoom meetings and on the field. And um, so, yeah, we did sign a few players, Nathan. We signed uh, Brandon Allen the quarterback, the ex-Denver quarterback. Of course, of course. And we also signed uh, Tristan Vizcano, the kicker. You're really, you're really getting through the, um, the back of the roster here, something. There's no there's no leaves that are not turned over on Cincinnati. We've got, we've, got you, we've got you covered across the roster here. Well, yes, but I think they're important. And I think these two uh, signings are interesting because they're very much... Of the time signings, you know what I mean? They're very much now signings because if this pandemic wasn't going on, there's no way we'd be signing Brandon Allen, I don't think. I don't think we'd be signing Tristan Vizcano as well, to be honest. But those two positions, kicker and obviously quarterback, there's only one person. Well, quarterback is obviously the most important uh, player on the team. So, and we've discussed this in the past before, what if Joe Burrow tests positive for coronavirus and he's he's got a quarantine for two weeks? What happens then? Are you comfortable with Ryan Finley and Jake Dolagala? Probably not. So at least Brandon Allen has some NFL starting 
experience uh and he has ties with zach taylor as well um not exactly a super veteran play caller uh, i think he's only been in the league two or three years but i think it's a necessary signing just to as an insurance signing really i think the big, bigger than brad and alan i mean for me and this is a question to you son a lot of people on the bengals have got a bit of the sort of excited soft spot for Jake Dolagala. Yeah, me too. He flashed a bit last year. He's a big lad, big arm. Um, it's going to be difficult for him, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously now there's four quarterbacks on the roster. There's no preseason. That's really where someone like him would have had quite a bit of playing time, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. So it makes you wonder, doesn't it? How many reps is he going to get now? Is he going to have his chance? Is he in trouble or sorry, in danger of making that roster because Brandon Allen obviously has got starting experience in the league, which will go for him. And it's like, how is Jake Donagala going to really sort of show that up, potential upside um, that kept him on the roster last year? I think it's a difficult, slightly uphill journey for the geezer. Yeah, I agree. And it's such a shame because I did think he had something. Um, whether he fits into... It feels like more of a throwback quarterback, if that makes sense. He... Kind of stand in the pocket. He is mobile, but not. He's got a huge arm, and he is a stand in the pocket, chucking around sort of guy. Whereas the trend these days is a, is for a much more mobile quarterback. Uh, and I think ju- just Jake's story last year um, made you warm to him. His journey to to being drafted made you warm to him. But you're right. I mean, this is this is where you know. Fringe players, on-the-bubble players have their chance to impress, you know, in pre-season. And there's not going to be a pre-season. So, and now signing another quarterback, which I think is absolutely the right thing to do, even if it is just for uh, insurance purposes. And by all accounts, uh, the Bengals are sort of keeping the quarterbacks apart. You know, they're wrapping them in cotton wool, not literally, that would be weird, but in terms of keeping them in separate rooms and uh, staggering their entrance into the building for kind of film work and all the rest of it, uh, because they know if one of those quarterbacks goes down, then it's trouble. So I think I think the signing of uh, Brandon Allen makes perfect sense to me. And also I, I think the signing of Vizcano also... Um, makes perfect sense as well because there is only one kicker on the team and if Bullock goes down then you know I'm sure plenty of people will be celebrating but uh you know that's a problem that is a problem so again I think it's a it's a smart move by the Bengals yeah fair enough but I mean obviously that sort of brings us nicely you know as you would usually say Sam it segues us nicely on to Does it? um I think it does. Nicely on to just the whole topic today of college football um, and the issue of what's going on there. Because obviously every week and every uh, podcast the last few weeks, we've been talking about, is there going to be a season? What does that look like? And by all accounts, the NFL seems as if it's pressing forward um, to meet its start date um, in September. But obviously some crazy news um, coming out of college football with um, a few conferences potentially suspending their seasons. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's basically a mess, isn't it? There's only one word to to describe. It's a complete mess. Some there is a valid argument here uh, to say that players would actually players and staff would actually be safer in their own little college bubble and on the circuit than they would in the general community. Um, transmission of COVID in the states is still, I mean. It's ridiculous, frankly. Um, and again, I don't want to go into the politics of it or the attitudes of a... Well, I was going to say a minority. It's not even a minority, is it? There's a, there's a lot of people out there who are still not taking it seriously and quite obviously think it's some big conspiracy for whatever reason, but I'm not going to get into that. But if you've got a sporting circuit where you're not mixing with the general community, you're only mixing with other people in your facility and you're getting tested twice a week or something like that, then there is a strong argument to say that 
uh, players and staff are actually safer in that kind of... I'm not going to call it a bubble because it's not a completely COVID-secure bubble uh, or a bio-secure bubble like we're seeing over here in the cricket. Um, but it is semi-bubble. Bubble. Bubble. That's a great impression of a bubble there, my son. Thank I really you. enjoyed that. Thanks, I'm sure man. the viewers, will that would be their highlight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it's mad. I mean, it, it it's just so difficult at the moment. And you're seeing it across many sports. Like in Formula One, one of the drivers tested positive and yeah. um, another one had to jump in. And obviously, you know, I, I've, I've been watching a little bit of baseball recently. I've been watched, trying to keep up with the Cincinnati Reds and yeah. seeing how they're doing. and. They were talking last night about the St. Louis Cardinals have somehow got to play, I think it's something absurd, like 55 games in 49 days. Yeah. And they've had a number of their games suspended because I think a couple of the players went out to a casino and all of them contracted it, <laughs> oh, like no. five or six players. And this is it, contra- this is it, sorry to interrupt. It just makes me laugh and then it makes me angry because all this stuff can only work if people aren't stupid. And unfortunately, in my experience... A lot of people are stupid. Uh, and they... I think it's son, it's easy for you to say that, but like I saw you in a casino <laughs> in Wales. So I think it's easy yeah. for you to go preaching about it on this podcast. But I saw it, and me and a few other Bengals fans <laughs> got word of you being drunk and disorderly in a casino in, in West Wales. So it I, was I a... don't know if you could come on this podcast like saying stuff like that. It was a biosecure <laughs> casino. <laughs> No, it, it, I you know I, I like to keep my casinos clean, and uh, they're all clean down there in Wales. But do you know what I mean? Though I know that there also needs to be very clear messaging and very strict rules, uh, which I'm sure there are. But everyone's got to play their part, really. And uh, I think you know baseball's just about been working. But I don't. I think we ought to expect this. You know. Um, there is going to be a person. We've had it in cricket with Joffrey Archer when he he went home. When yeah, he yeah, yeah. We've had it in baseball where a bunch of guys went off to strip clubs and casinos, which is basically your regular Saturday night. Um, so, <laughs> but it's like we're going. This is going to happen. You know, there's just too many players. The law of averages says someone somewhere is going to do something stupid. Someone somewhere is going to stick to the rules, but because of the nature and because of the high contagiousness of of the virus itself, someone is going to come down with it. And I think that has to be expected during this season. Now, you know, they they seem to be marching forward. Uh, We haven't even spoke about Joe Burrow yet, but we will come to that. Um, You know, they seem to be marching forward, but I think it's an imperfect thing. It's an unprecedented thing both in terms of what we've experienced before and what we have had to take care of uh, and look after and navigate. And also the disease itself is something that we've never really seen before. So there's going to be massive bumps in the road throughout this whole season. I I think it's just crazy for, you know, let's say that, I mean, I was reading just before we um, came on the podcast about the Big Ten potentially suspending its season and stuff. And it, if the season doesn't go ahead and the players don't play, I mean, Joe Burrow came out on Twitter mm. about an hour or two ago and said, look, if I hadn't played last season, I might be looking for a job now. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, he really, like the season before last, was basically seen as like a sort of, you know, day two or three prospect before he had his incredible season. So, yeah. you know, for these players that are sort of, you know, fighting for their jobs, going into their final year or their second year or whatever else, yeah, it puts them in a crazy situation. It also means they wouldn't have played competitive um, football for nearly two years by the time that it rolls around to them playing again. Um, Absolutely, the yeah. The draft process for next year could be a complete and utter mess because, you know, again, players haven't played. What are you taking them on? How could they were two years ago? It, it just becomes a rather maddening situation. And I really feel for the athletes, you know, it's a special experience and a privilege for guys like that to play in front of massive, you know, some of the guys that play at places like Michigan, that play in front of like 100,000 people and Ohio State and all these huge universities in the US. A lot of those guys aren't even draft prospects. They don't even really like, you know, they're not, they're not even um, free agents that make teams. But the honour to play on national TV and experience that playing, you know, in front of all those people and the audiences around the world, 
is incredible. And a lot of those guys might miss out on that or might never get a chance to do that for a year because of this. And it, you know, obviously there's a, a serious reason as to why, but it, it's a real sad state of affairs, you know, both from an entertainment perspective, for the athletes, for, for a lot of people, you know, there'll be a lot of people economically like bars and restaurants next to the stadiums and all sorts of people like that, that are going to be really hurt by this. So it's a, you know, for a whole season to be suspended, I think so really, if it does happen and that's what the decision is, I completely respect it. It probably is a smart thing to do with the current situation in the States in terms of infection rates per hundred thousand, etc. But it's extremely sad at the same time. Yeah, I think it's sad, but I am still, uh, yeah, it is absolutely. It's a, it's sad for the athletes. It's sad for the fans. It's sad for the draft Knicks who get, you know, get really into evaluation, you know, this around October, November time. It's really sad, as you say. It's got a knockout, a knock-on effect for uh, businesses and and the whole works. And but it, I keep coming back to it. It is, it is what it is, and we've got to do what we've got to do until there's a chance of of, of really, you know, it, in the UK, yes, cases are going up a little bit, but on the whole, we I don't know how we've done it because there'd be there'd be some shocking uh kind of you know, breaking of rules and kind of non wearing of masks. So I'm not quite sure how we've done it, but um cases have remained fairly steady and certainly deaths have gone way down. So you want you want the US to really be in a position like that before they even start thinking about sports and whatnot. Re- realistically uh, in an in an ideal world, uh, actually, in an ideal mm. world, there would be no virus whatsoever. But you know what I mean. In in current circumstances, the in an ideal world, you'd want somehow for the US to be able to, you know, stem the flow of cases because they're just you know, what are they? Fifty, sixty, seventy thousand a day. I know it's a massive yeah. country. Um, so you know what? I just think we've got to put up with it, and it's got to be one of those years where we'll look back on hopefully in about ten years' time and say. Do you remember that crazy year when there were no college football and whatever? We've just got to be thankful for what we do get, and it's going to be different, but we've just got to get on with it, really. I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for the season. I think once it rolls around and the Bengals are on the field against the Chargers, I'm going to be, you know, shouting at the TV, drinking a few beers and absolutely <laughs> loving life. But it feels weird. Like, I've never felt like not having a preseason to sort of whet your appetite, I think is going to be weird. I think... Um, having no fans bigger than any sport I think it's going to be a bigger loss to American football than any other sport not having the fans because the fans are one of the most captivating things and the most contagious things about watching American football you know you look at some of the guys that you know we know and have met from the states that go to the games that dress up that um, you know do all these incredible tailgating things before the games to get people pumped up and I think that that enthusiasm and all of it is so contagious to the game day. And, you know, the noise on the field is unlike any sport I've ever experienced. But, you know, going to games in the US, it's just an absolute racket and just provides such an incredible atmosphere. And I think that for a, a short season, um, being obviously only 16 games and no preseason, it's going to be a really bizarre atmosphere with no fans in the stadium, more so than cricket, more so than um you know soccer english football whatever you want to call it like i just think it's going to be a crying shame and i just really hope that we don't get into a situation like there are with baseball with cancelled games and you I know there, there to has to the be season there will be double headers and bollocks like that i just i think once I even think for the baseball season, I mean, baseball, there's too many games anyway. So 60 games instead of what they usually do is probably a better thing anyway. But them having to see, you know, some games do back-to-back seven inning double headers. I just think at a certain point you really risk the reputation and the um, the authenticity of the, of the competition. And you don't want to have an NFL season that ends up having to be sort of eight games or just like a knockout-style playoff format. I just think at that point you really cheapen the product. And I... I strongly only want the NFL season to go ahead if they really strongly feel like they can deliver a really good product and that it's going to be what they know and it's not going to be cheapened or really shittily watered down. And I think that's the challenge. If you think you can pull the season off, even without fans, but it's going to be good and they're going to add some value to it. And, you know, I mean, you're talking about the one of the most watched leagues in the world, one of the most 
exciting sports in the world. I just think you can't do it in injustice and do a shit job of, you know, cutting the games down in length or, you know, 10 games or playing just in your division or just local teams. I just think it would be a horrible, horrible disservice. I'm going to disagree with you. I think the the opportunity is there to play around with the format for a one-off season. We've had strike seasons in the past and you go on about you know, the the product not being cheap. And what about in strike-affected seasons in the past when they've had to drag, played a bunch of undrafted free agents? You know, that is, you could argue, that has demeaned the product in the past. Uh, I think this is the perfect opportunity to muck around with the format, to make things safer for one season only. Again, it's like almost, it's like I almost, um, when Washington came out and, called themselves the Washington football team. A lot of fans were like, oh, this is terrible, this is awful. And I said, right, you buy a jersey, right, and in 10 years' time, that jersey will be worth, do you know what I mean? It's a collector's item, and we've got to view this as a one-off collector's item almost season with perhaps different rules. Perhaps, you know, I would welcome just breaking down the whole divisional system and playing local teams like we should be playing Indianapolis home and away we should be playing you know Tennessee home and away we are playing Tennessee I think this year but anyway but do you know what I mean keep things local and then restructure it for this season that's just an idea but in terms of the crowd I've been watching a lot of cricket recently and uh, I have to say I'm not too fussed about it It's, it's odd to start with but someone I was listening to a podcast about the cricket and they made some really good points now we're Probably about to lose American listeners, but stick with this, guys, honestly. So you've got, say, you've got a brand new uh, batsman for England, Dominic Sibley, right, who's um, one of these kind of slow-scoring, attritional types who just kind of dabs the ball and blah, blah, blah. And then you've, you've, got... you've lost all of our US listeners, son, already. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another batsman called Ben Stokes who is squ- swashbuckling and smashes the ball everywhere, and he's fantastic. Um, but this podcast made the point that if there was a crowd there, a crowd can act in a team's favour and also against a team as well. So, for instance, this guy, Dominic Sibley, who doesn't score very quickly, he would guarantee if there's a bunch of cricket fans can get quite boisterous in the afternoon because it's an all day event and people are off to the bar and by about three or four o'clock there well-oiled and they're singing songs and they like to see they're very impatient they like to see uh action and uh fun and shots and runs being scored but if you're dominic sibley with this whole kind of attritional game it's likely the crowd would start to get on top of him a little bit because they want him speeded up so um this podcast was suggesting that the fact that there's no crowd is almost like a pure experience for the sports men and women on the field itself, because they're not affected by the crowd itself. Uh, And I think that's a really, really good point, that you won't feel the pressure uh, on the field from the fans. Uh, Now, as I say, fans are great, and we are all fans, and they can act as a real, you know, 12th man, you know, the whole Seattle thing, but uh, they can also add some pressure as well. So what my, my thing is like, you know, it might not be an awful thing for the players not having a crowd. It's going to be weird. Um, but I've also seen Fox debut, I think it's Fox, debut some stuff in baseball where they actually sort of superimpose crowds in <laughs> onto the onto the broadcast, which is quite cool. It's like it's proper special effects. So I think my point is, I don't think it's going to be as bad as all that. Of course, it's a shame. We want fans in there. We want to feel the atmosphere and whatnot. But if it has to be like that for this year, then we've got to put up with it. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. I just, for me, the NFL is a different, different ball game to a lot of other sports out there. It's not a very big season anyway. And I just think if it gets into a, like a bit of a farcical, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not a big baseball fan by any means. I've watched a few of the Reds games um, this year, got quite into it. It's been quite good. I mean, let's be honest, baseball's not exactly the most well-attended game anyway, so mm-hmm. the lack of fans is perhaps not as damning as it would be for other sports. But I think when you start seeing this stuff with St. Louis, and a lot of, t- of people are saying with the Cardinals now, they're like, well, I don't know if they're going to be able to finish this season. That's saying there's no other delays, and they've still got to be playing more than one game a day. 
there just seems to be this like insane rush to get these games done. The NFL's not even really talked about suspending the season or pushing it back a few months to where the situation might be a bit better. And I just don't want them to risk the integrity of it. Um, I don't want them to. I, I just don't want it to become a bit of a soap opera where you know games are getting postponed. They're getting played on weird nights but, of the week, but and they're going to have to like, be. You know, the, the, no the other... Bengals have got to play two games in five days. Because, well, that's you know, not, never going to happen. Never a load of guys happen. from the practice squad. I just, I don't know. I just, for me, as a bit of a purist and I have a love for watching the game. Well, we all do. I, but... I just don't want it to descend into some sort of poor spectacle basically well we'll see i would say grit your teeth and get on with it basically um because uh, we're gonna have to because i say this this hopefully this is a one-off year uh, and this time by this time next year it will be kind of back to normal ish um, i just can't see why they've got so much time to just suspend it. i just don't get like postpone it like just knock it no, back I'm, i just I'm don't with get you. it i'm with it i'm with it but and I just don't think that's really. But I just don't really. I really don't get it. Like with the Premier League, well, it's and money, Serie isn't it? It's and all these money, leagues, they, and it's they. Say again, sorry. It's money, isn't it? It's all about money and economics and where it fits into the grand scheme of things. You know, the NBA's been, you know, about to start uh, in their kind of weird <laughs> Disneyland bubble, and they've been actually they've not recorded any uh, positive. Uh, test. Hey, but we've been talking about this for a long time, Nathan. We we need to crack on. Hot topic, my son. Now, isn't it? Hot topic. It is a hot topic. We could carry on, but we shan't. Uh, we'd be interested to hear all, uh, all you know, our listeners' views. What do you think? Are you with Nathan? Do you think you don't want to see it messed around with too much because you think it will demean the sport, or are you just like me? Is like, well, we've just got to get on with it. It is one of those things. Um, we haven't even mentioned Joe Burrow yet. Who? Some new quarterback for a team in <laughs> South Ohio. Mate, he's looking. He's looking pretty, pretty smart in his gear, isn't he, Joe? How, Boy? He's looking... how excited on a scale of one to ejaculation were you when you saw uh, Joe Burrow throw a ball to AJ Green? I'd say solid eight out of ten. A solid eight. I also, I think I was probably a nine out of ten excited when someone put the Stone Cold Steve Austin music in the background of him walking out onto Paul Brown Field. That was um, out to Paul Brown Stadium. That was one of my favourite videos I've seen in a long time. It, it's cool to see him in stripes and out on the field and actually throwing a few balls around. I mean, there's been, you know, people have been speculating about Joe Boy coming to the Bengals since about October. So. You know, to see after almost a year, to see him actually in the uniform out there on the field with throwing some balls around is a cool thing. So you were you were approaching vinegar strokes then, were you? <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, right. <laughs> this, um, this is why you want to see the, the season at all costs, my son. You're out, you don't care what format it's in. You just want to see that geezer out there throwing balls to well, AJ Green. I didn't. I, I, f- I found it faintly ridiculous when that shot of him, you know, out the door and and then walking towards the tunnel onto the field at PBS, I get why well, I was excited. It's like, yes, he's in it. He's in a Bengals jersey, great. But the kind of you know, just the levels of excitement were just a little bit too much for me, really. Um, and then seeing him on a practice field, I saw a report today, right? You know those little kind of reps that he was taking with AJ Green. I think there was a shot of him throwing a ball to Alex Erickson, right? So he took. Uh, he took a pretend, a simulated snap. He simulated an RPO, so he kind of shuffled to his left, then back to his right, set himself and threw the ball. Uh, little kind of five and in uh, to, or probably ten and in to Alex Erickson. And some geezer was like, you know, it was the most basic thing I've seen. Every quarterback does that, whatever. And there's some guy was like, just look at this guy's footwork. It's absolutely out of this world. It's kind of like, no, it's not. It's like the most <laughs> basic repetition you could ever see. Um, you, you could have done it yourself, son. Well, I'm not saying that, obviously, but I'm saying that people are getting really <laughs> I can see you excited. Just the RPO option, dancing to the left, flinging out to the right, <laughs> dodging a defender, and just looping this ball downfield for Alex Eriksson. I, I, I'd love to see that. At, um, at the practice field at PBS. So, I'll be well up for that. Um, but yeah, Joe's in stripes, and it is great to see him in stripes, but I, I'm just I'm just totally not into this kind of overhype, 
overexcitement. Oh, it's like, right, now he's on the field. Now the hard work starts in building the chemistry with his receivers, building chemistry with AJ Green. Properly learn, you know, he's learned the playbook by all accounts. He's been fantastic in Zoom meetings. He's highly intelligent, got a high football IQ. Fantastic. Now the hard work starts because he's got not a lot of time to get that chemistry with his lads and stamp, you know, put his mark on the team. And and also, in a physical sense, he's got to start taking some hits soon. He's got to. He's got to feel Geno Atkins in his face, so to speak, <laughs> whatever that means. I think, um, I think the NFL is a really funny, um, a funny sport because obviously, when the season's around, you've got a, like last year we were, we were all absolutely furious about the Bengals. You know, everyone was taking the piss out of them; they were shit. You know, and everyone was just furious. And now, everyone with because it's such a long off season, everyone deludes themselves into thinking that we're like big contender. You know, well, I reckon you know we've got one of the best receiving cores. We've got the best D line in the league. We've got the best quarterback. You know, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the AFC. You know, like everyone is like absolutely stuffed full of excitement, which is fantastic. And it, you know, yeah. what makes the sport it's what makes the sport so good. But I do think with Joe Burrow, and not to just be an absolute Debbie Downer and piss on the bush, he's the geezer's got a lot of expectations under him here. I mean, he's coming in as a first-round pick. You know, the Bengals, like I said last year, one of the worst or the worst team in the NFL, and Joe Burrow's coming in with no preseason as a first-round pick, and we're basically sat there like, come on in, son. We've been talking about you, you know. Everyone, even there's a couple of people in the press that said he's going to struggle, but mostly, certainly before he got drafted, everyone was absolutely pumping smoke up Joe Burrow, the best quarterback to come out in 10 years. You know, he won the Heisman, he won the national championship, fantastic player, says all the right things. Coaches have said he's been brilliant. I mean, this guy has got absolutely unbelievable amounts of hype coming alongside him. Mm. And I hope he can back it up or at least do a good job because they're big shoes. And by all accounts, he looks like he's going to fill them. But, you know, when Zach Taylor came in last year, he talked a fantastic game. We had him on the podcast. He was very exciting. He talked. He's very confident. He said the right things. He had the right work ethic. He came from Sean McVay's tree. So everyone was like, oh, this guy's one of the youngest minds in football. There was all articles written up about him saying he was fantastic. We won two games. So I just think with Joe Burrow, like, I'm really fucking excited. I really am. You're swearing you know, a bit not, tonight, Nathan. I've, I've, I've lost it, mate. You've it's lost this it. heat. It's, get, it's the heat's getting to me. Um, <laughs> I agree. It is exciting. I, I'm and really I think, excited, but, but I think that we just have to sort of let him excite us first. Yeah, we've let got to give him time. Some, let, let him throw some good balls, yeah, and yeah. then we can really, you know, the excitement can really build. Well, there you go. We've just rattled on for about three quarters of an hour. I have nothing in particular. But uh, anyway, let's... That's what this podcast is about. So. Absolutely. Uh, let's play first and ten. Welcome to our very first episode within an episode. It's called First Down and Ten. It's a, a game show and basically... Uh, we're going to invite fans on to the podcast to play this game, every, if not every week, but every other week or every couple of weeks, whenever we feel the need. Uh, so basically the rules are this. A player starts out at his or her 20-yard line and they've got 12 questions to score a touchdown. Now, um, uh, you've got four downs as per usual uh, and each question you can choose the length of uh, movement so you can choose an easy question which uh, equals f a five yard gain you can choose a medium hard question which is a ten yard gain and a first down or you can go for the lot a super hard question you can go for it at any time and uh, there we go is that clear Nathan? It is clear my son. Right you're on your let's go this is a bit of a trial, so if it's rubbish, I do uh, do forgive me. Um, right, Nathan, you're on your own 20-yard line. Which type of question would you like to go for? An easy question, which will move you five yards, a medium question, which will give you a first down and a 10-yard gain, or would you like to go for it all and a touchdown straight away? Don't say straight I'm going away. For, I, 
I'm going easy, son. I'm just I'm checking it down here, trying to get five yards. All right. you know. Okay, your first question. First down and ten from your own twenty yard line. Which football team plays at Carrow Road? Uh, it's Norwich. Correct. Uh, so that's a five yard game. So it's a second and five at the twenty five, uh, and you've gone two questions in. So what are you going for now? You're going I'm for going another. for the ten yards. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to get this down inside the you know inside okay. goal to go. Right. Uh, in the Lion King, what was the name of Simba's father? Oh fuck! Oh, no swearing, please. It's a family game show. Oh, gonna have to hurry. There is a. There is the M- clock. Mumbasa. Oh my! Oh, so close, man. It's Mufasa. Oh, you got to give me that. you no, got you to said, give me that. No, you said Mumbasa, which is... <laughs> no, that some... was a dodgy line. I said no, Mumbasa. No, no, sorry. Right. <laughs> You've so... got, you got to give me five yards for that. No way. Um, right. Let me, I'm fro- so... I've just thrown the challenge flag onto the field. <laughs> sorry, there are no challenges in this game. Um, third and five, oh, what are you going brutal. for? What are you going for? Third and five, and easy? You could go for an easy one to I'm get the first down. Easy, 100% going easy. All oh, right, I like it. Uh, what is the capital of the Czech Republic? Prague. Correct. And a first down. First and ten from your own 30. You're three questions into this, Nathan. What's next? At my own 30? Yeah. I thought you started at the 20. No, your own 20. And you've got to move 80 yards. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Oh, exactly. sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was at the opposition's 20. Bloody hell. <laughs> Michael Barrett. Goodness me. All right, I'll go for a medium one. Then. I, I thought I was taking this nice and leisurely. No, I sir. You've got 12 20. questions. Right. Malcolm. Oh, I better Ma- get a move on. You better get a shifty on, mate. You better start dialing up some players here, son. Um, <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm Little was a civil rights activist also known as. I oh, got Scooby Doo. Think of the first name now, Nathan. I don't Say it again. Malcolm, Malcolm X. There you go. Correct. And the first down. So you've got first and ten from your 40 now. And you've caught four, good, qu- four questions in. This is exciting. Easy or medium, or do you want to go for it all? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go easy, actually, you know. Okay, he's playing it easy. This is who is the Bengals all-time leading receiver? Uh, Chad Ochocinco. Correct. Second and five from the forty-five. This is two-minute. How many questions have gone? This is. I'm enjoying this. How many questions have gone? Five. You've got twelve to get. Um, what are you going to go for? Second and five. I'm going to go easy again. All right. Which former England international footballer presents Holmes under the hammer? Or co-presents? Um, Dion Dublin. Correct. And a first down. First and ten from midfield. You're halfway. I'm going for the medium one. All right. Baloney is a form of what? And I'm going to be quite specific on this one. You can't just say meat, which I've just given you a clue. Oh, he's got it as well. I I would have got that without you saying meat. Right, you're into enemy uh, opposition territory. You're at the 40-yard line. Seven questions in. First and ten, what are you going for? I'm going for a medium. Okay. Who scored most touchdowns for the Bengals in 2019? Obviously, I mean, you can't say the quarterback, no. It's got to be a skill position player. Yeah, it's not like throws, but actually scored touchdown. Oh, um, Tyler Boyd. No, it is Joe Mixon with eight. Oh, shit. I should have got that. Second and ten, your eight questions, only four to go. What are you going for? I've got to go medium. I've got to go medium. Second and ten. Who assassinated Abraham Lincoln? It's a tough Lee one. Harvey Oswald. No, that was Kennedy, wasn't it? Um, I can only take your... We're in, should I take that? No, is that your final answer, Nathan? No, I pulled out. I pulled out. It was like a swinging baseball. I pulled okay. out. I okay. got away with it. Go on. I don't know, to be fair, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to pass anyway. John Wilkes Booth. Tough question, that one. <sighs> That's a good right. one. That's a good question. You're still at the 40-yard uh, line. You're on question 10. It's third down and 10. What are you going to go I've got for? I've go got to go medium, Sam. Got to go medium. 
Who won the men's singles at Wimbledon in 2019? Oh, my word. Djokovic. <laughs> oh, he's only pulled it out of the bag. Get in there. Question. Come you, on. Right, you're at the 30 and you've got two questions left. I can't make it. I'm going to have to go for it, aren't I? Well, that's right. You are. You're going to have to. I'm go- I'll go for it. <laughs> it's a really difficult question as well. Oh, <laughs> my God. Okay. This is for the touchdown and the win. What is the US state closest to Africa? It's really, I, actually, that's too difficult to be honest with you. So I'm going to give you another one. Well, I've, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I've got it. I've got it. Go on then. Think about the eastern seaboard where things sort of jut out a little bit. No, I, um. What is the US state gonna, closest gonna, to Africa? Well, it, Puerto Rico is not a state. No, it's not. No. So I think it's not that. I'm going to say Florida. Wrong, I'm afraid. It is Maine. Really? That's right. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good one. You're still at the 30 and you've got... It's second down to 10, but this is your final question, unfortunately. I'm going for it all some. Dial it all up. I'm going Hail Mary. Hail Mary. All right. Tamla Records is the former name of which well-established record label? Tamla Records is the former name of which well-established record label? I'm terrible. My music knowledge is shocking, Sam. Um, Virgin Records. Afraid not, it's Motown, my friend. And that is it. That's the end. You, you stall. The clock runs out. Busted at the 30. On Busted. the 30. A great effort. But uh, 12 questions. So there you go. There's our very first episode of First and Ten. I think that worked, didn't it, Nathan? That was good. That, that, that one about the one closest to... I thought you were going to try and trip me up and I was going to say Puerto Rico, but... Um, no. Florida, I really thought, but you know, the globe, the, you know, it's not a flat earth, is it? So, no. um, right, yeah, very good. I enjoyed that, Sam. Good. Well, hopefully, we'll be introducing that from time to time. First and ten, there will be prizes available. As I say, we'll top all the scores, and whoever gets the uh, closest or the, whoever scores a touchdown with the less, the least amount of questions, uh, will get a prize. Um, but we'll see. That could be fun for a while, couldn't it? Anyway, let's get to our correspondences. Let's wrap this up. We've all be, already been going almost an hour. Um, thank you so much again for sticking with us this summer. And uh, weirdly, we're almost approaching the m- middle of August. And then, you know, we're almost a month until the... Well, under a month until the start of the season, which is insane. Let's face it. It is insane. But... Hugely exciting. So thank you for the correspondences. You can get us at Hooday underscore UK on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. Let's start with John Lucarotti at Living La Vida Luca. Solid handle. Great work with the podcast through the lockdown stroke summer, guys. Which UK football team do you reckon best matches up with the Bengals in terms of prestige, success, fan experience? As a Derby County fan myself, the two seem fairly similar to me, but I wonder what others think. Now, I had a theory a little while ago when we were, you know, qualifying for the playoffs every year that we, were, uh, but not getting anywhere, we were the Arsenal of the NFL who would consistently qualify for the Champions League, but then not go very far. Now, obviously, things have changed so much, uh, a lot actually. So, we are. Goodness me, and Aston Villa perhaps at the moment just escaping relegation, but have had past glory. So I'm going with the Villa. I'm going to go West Ham. Always sort of, you know, floating around, good fans, got a bit of sort of um, bit of an exciting sort of history and stuff like that. But, you know, always sort of trying to sort of push towards the top of the table, but regularly find themselves sort of in the middle of the pack or slightly worse off. It's not bad shout, actually. Uh, TJ Hushmanzada's shiny shoes at TJ shiny shoes uh, was at a barbecue. I do like saying that, TJ shiny shoes. Um, who is TJ shiny shoes? Do we know TJ shiny? Have we met him? No, probably not. Um, 
TJ Shiny Hughes says, was at a barbecue the other day with some US friends who were truly appalled by the quality of passing they'd recently witnessed upon the heath by some (laughs) Brits throwing a football around. Have you or Nathan anything to confess? Um, Well, it depends when they saw it. Um, I I am... Both of us... But both of us nervously open it wasn't when we were over there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was us, uh, really. Um, my, but probably would have been if it was about a month ago. <laughs> I think we're due for another chuck around soon, aren't we, Nathan? Oh, 100%, son. Yeah, it's just at the moment, I think both of us will lose about a stone in sweat out there. You know what I mean? Well, I'm up for it, especially the amount of weight that I put on during lockdown. Anyway, Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Uh, NFL is on Sundays, not Saturdays, to protect college football. With that starting to fall by the wayside next season, I wonder if they may spread NFL football across the whole weekend. NFL would love to grab a bigger market share. Thursday football could move to Friday. Now, I would be hugely in favour of moving the Thursday night game to either the Friday or certainly the Saturday. There's got to be a prime-time Saturday night game if there's no college football, I think. There has to be. That would be fantastic. I would say yeah, but at the same time, especially in the UK, would it be like the games? I don't know because they'd be quite late. I suppose it wouldn't be too bad. I'm just no, thinking it's a like Saturday night. You'd you just know, be coming in from your strip club, so it'd be like, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I almost wouldn't want a game on like seven or eight o'clock on a Saturday though, because it'd be like if you've got plans or you're out and about, you'd be a bit conflicted, wouldn't you? It'd be a sort of a difficult one. But I mm. guess they would tend to. I suppose it depends what time they played them on the Saturday. If they were one o'clock kickoffs, or if they were if it was like a late game or it's certainly intriguing and I, I would be in favor. I, I really like what they do in some of the European um, football leagues where mm. they stagger the games a lot. So they do it in Spain and Italy a lot. So you have like four games on a Saturday all back to back. So, you know, you've got them one after the other and then you've got the same on a Sunday and then you have like one or two in the week. So they only have like two or three games that overlap. So I think if you obviously, you know, college football is not going ahead to have seven or eight games going on at once on a Sunday might almost, you know, it would certainly reduce the TV viewership. So the NFL potentially could cash in there, which would be very interesting. No, I'd be I'd be up for that. I'd be up for a, a primetime Saturday game because, you know, you've got Sunday, you could stay up and watch it, no worries. And do you know what I mean? I think it I think it would add yeah, something. Yeah, if, if it was prime time, so it started at like one in the morning out here. Yeah, that'd, you know, be, you that'd get, be fantastic. You can have it? a few mates over for a few late beers, get a pizza exactly, in, and you exactly, wouldn't really mind right? the 4.30 finish, would you? No, exactly. Uh, thank you, Dadders. Uh, Ken Davies at Ken S. Davies. Who is your favourite college team and why I've developed a fondness for Ole Miss? As one, I like the name. Two, they featured on The Season, which I enjoyed. And three, they have a quarterback who cannot throw, which makes it interesting. Uh, it's not either me or Nathan, is it? Ken, I'm not sure. Uh, my favourite, I'm not really into college football, I have to say. there are. I know there are lots of British fans out there who absolutely uh, love it, uh, on a par with the NFL, I'd say. Uh, but my favourite team is, if I've got one, is Louisville. Uh, I've been there a few times and I've got some friends there. And uh, each time I've been there, the first time I went there, Teddy Bridgewater was QB. And the next time I went there, Lamar Jackson was QB. So um, the next time I go, hopefully there's going to be another superstar quarterback there. But yeah, I, I'm not I'm not totally into the college game. So, But if I do, if I do have a team, it is the Cardinals of Louisville. And I must also, I've just finished watching Series 5, of Last Chance You, the Netflix documentary series about the Ducold teams uh, in the States where it's kind of a last chance saloon for outcast students who, who've got ta- who've got real football talent but they haven't been taken by various junior colleges. Um, but there are colleges out there that give these kids a chance, a final chance, a, a last chance. And it's and there's been five series of it, and I've really enjoyed this series. So if you've got Netflix, go ahead and do it. Uh, Nathan, who's your favourite college team, and why? So I really wanted a college team. So I decided like, I was thinking years ago, like back ten years ago, I was like, how can I pick a team? Like, what should I do? And I found out there was a guy called Nathan Palmer playing for Northern Illinois. So I was like, how can I not support a team that's got my <laughs> a guy with my name on it? So I followed them, and they actually were really good back in the day. They play in the MAC. 
Um, and they had a few decent wins over some uh, Big Ten teams. They won the MAC title a few times. And they had a one season where they were nearly in the Orange Bowl. They, they made the Orange Bowl. They lost to Florida State. And they had Jordan Lynch playing for them. It was a bit like... Um, be like the guy that Ken says for Ole Miss, he couldn't really throw it, but he would just run for like 200 yards a game. So it was really entertaining. Thanks, Ken. Um, I'm going to look out for that Ole Miss quarterback who can't throw. So it seems like my sort of my sort of quarterback, really. Certainly the same standard as me, anyway. Dom at Bumbling Bengal. Hey guys, hope you're doing well. What's your initial thoughts on the Mike Daniels signing? And do you think we should sign him for longer than just this season? Cheers, guys. Thanks, Dom. Uh, I think we discussed it a little bit in the first part of the show. Um, I do think it's a good signing on paper, certainly, don't you? And I think, I think you know, without Glasgow, although he will be 32 next year, so it's likely to be just a one-year stopgap. But if he plays well, he could be like another Wallace Gilbury for us. You know, who knows? Yeah, he's certainly got a higher potential. You sometimes wonder, worry a bit, taking a punt on these older guys that potentially, you know, are on the way down. You know, have they got the motivation left? Have they got the, you know, anything left in the tank physically? Obviously, a hugely demanding position to play. But certainly, like you said, on paper, it looks good. And it adds some depth where we quite desperately need it. And ultimately, I think it's a much better signing than bringing Peko back. Uh, Richard Allen Mazosh at, uh, at R. Mazochi. Hey, who day? My son loves you. Hey, oh, God, I've got this wrong. I shouldn't have read that. <laughs> Basically, I put on I'm reading these straight fresh from Twitter, plucked from the the orchard of Twitter, our Twitter notifications page. Um, and I put on a picture early with uh, Good Morning Football's Kay Adams wearing another Bengals top on Good Morning Football on her programme, looking resplendent, dare I say, and I, I, I think I do. Um, and Richard Alamazok was, or Mazosh, was telling Kay that his son loves us. And I thought you were telling us you love your son loves us, which is slightly disappointing. Uh, I'm not quite <laughs> sure why Kay Adams is attracting that much attention. Jamie at Trek White Beaster. So, you're the Bengals DJ at the next home game with a crowd. What crowd-pleasing bangers are you playing? Good question, oh. I say. I, I love a bit of like EDM music, so I go a bit like Sunderland from Sunderland till I die, and just be banging out EDM tunes to try and get people going a bit off their nut um, in between in between series. Uh, that's what I'll be doing. I'm a, I'm a big uh, sort of soundtracky guy when it comes to teams coming out. I really liked when they played the Star Wars music, uh, the Jewel of the Fates, when. Uh, I think there's a few premiership teams started playing that. It sounded really good, but I'm going to have to think about that one. Maybe some Napalm Death, I don't know. Uh, Moz at Mozar92. How nice is it for the front office actually being weirdly proactive? The Mike Daniels pickup, if it goes through, would have been our main highlight of the off-season. I like this way of deal-making. I'm not sure whether it's our main highlight of the off-season, uh, Moz, but... Uh, you know, you he's, think, saying, he's saying it would have been back in the day, which I think he might. Have yeah, no, about. that's a fair point. Sorry, mate. Yeah, um, no, that's a fair point. Actually, this is the kind of player that we would have signed. You know, thirty-one-year-old rotational piece. <laughs> you know, he's right. Actually, that's who we would have signed in the past, and now we're signing him as a stopgap. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, someone uh, who's going to plug a hole rather than someone who's going to start. So yeah, Moz, you're, you're absolutely right, and I think. Uh, it's great to see the front office just putting everything into it and really transforming, certainly on paper, our team. So excited to see where this team goes, definitely. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And I hope I hope some of these free agent signings pay off for the Bengals because the last time I remember we spent decent money, it was Antonio Bryan. And I think that that horrendous signing really sort of stopped the free agent spending. So I think if DJ Reader has a good year, Mackenzie Alexander, Josh Bynes, etc., etc., have good years for us and are productive. Maybe that will, you know, keep the front office on the front foot in terms of um, being proactive and going and getting some exciting outside players for the team. Absolutely, um, and that's your lot this week. Uh, thank you for listening yet again. Uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully uh, an excellent guest. There's a few in the pipeline which will hopefully uh, cause you to tune in more so than you usually do. Um, 
Nathan, thank you for playing first and ten. Thank you for being the sport. We may even have uh, an actual contestant uh, to first and ten that isn't you or I next week. So that's exciting. Uh, so things are bubbling, aren't they? The lads are back practicing. Uh, it looks as though the season will go ahead in uh, the second week of September. So it's all go. So we're going to remain on uh, training camp watch. Hopefully there'll be no injuries. Uh, so until next week, and in the meantime, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.